Amen. Amen. Church, it is so good to hear that choir sing and proclaim God's truth. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, well, I love you so very much, and it's my joy to be with you here this morning. I want to share a word, hopefully, that will add color to what we've been listening to the last 35, 40 minutes about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the undefeated one. And what I want to say is this, the title of our message here this morning is A Faith of First Importance. A Faith of First Importance. Here's the image I want to give you in our short time here. And I know you've got some Easter hams waiting on you. So this will be a short word, but hopefully it will be a meaningful one that you will carry with you the rest of this day. I want you to think about your faith as a bank account. And I want you to think about, yes, when you get saved, you've made your principal investment, but you continue to make investments as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will tell you this, when we face trials, that's when we find out how much money we've invested, how many deposits we've made in the bank of faith. And I've noticed this in the years that I've been in ministry, that I can tell right away the people who have made investments in their faith and the ones that haven't. Because when you make investments in your faith, two things happen. Two things people will begin to notice in you. Number one is that you see your trials in light of eternity, that God is producing something in your trials. And number two, people notice that you have an intimacy and a communion with God. He's not just a concept. He's a person. And he's a person that you walk with every day. And that's what I want to talk about in our short time here is we take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I want to be looking quickly at how our, our faith is based on principles of first importance, how nothing should come before our faith and what it is that is the foundation of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you turn to 1 Corinthians 15, here's our big idea in one sentence. Easter reminds us that faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ is always of first importance. Easter reminds us that faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ is always of first importance. So if you want to know the very foundation of our faith of first importance, again, join me by turning to the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you or beside you. It's on page 1142 in your pew Bible. And if you would stand one last time, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and fully sufficient word. Again, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to just be reading verses 1 through 8. Hear God's word to us through his servant, the Apostle Paul. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Oh, Father, we thank you for this glorious day because your Son has risen indeed. And Lord, I I just acknowledge everyone in this room, myself included, is so distracted by secondary things. Clear out the distractions in the few moments we have left and help us to get back to our faith of first importance. What is the very foundation of the gospel, the good news that we believe in? Who is Jesus and what has he done for us and why does it matter? Help us to consider these things in our time together here this morning and help us to leave carrying with us this foundation of a faith of first importance. Be with us now, I pray. In Christ's name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are in the book of 1 Corinthians, a great place to be on an Easter Sunday. And I just want to mention very quickly that 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul to this church in Corinth. And Corinth was a a pretty busy happening city. It was a port city in Greece. It was kind of like a a modern-day New York City. It was the center of culture. It was the center of art. It was the center of philosophy and learning. But it was also a place where people could get easily distracted on what is most important. And Paul had planted the city or planted the church in Corinth. And he was following up with the church and saying, you know what, I told you, I laid the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have forgotten what is of first importance. You have let Greek philosophy and all the distractions of the world get in inside the walls of the church and distract you and, and separate you from fellowship with one another. He said, so I want to go back to the basics. I'm going to go back to that foundation that you should be investing in. Again, that bank of faith. You should be making investments, building on this simple foundation. What is most important? And I'm going to make it very basic. And I would say for most people in this room, this is not new. But maybe it's not first, and it should be. So the first thing that I want to say in light of what Paul shares with us in 1 Corinthians 15 is this. Number one, what is always of first importance is Christ's death. Christ's death. In verse 3 it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Have you ever stopped and thought about this? Okay, we know Jesus died for our sins, but why? Why did His death forgive our sins? Why was it necessary for Him to die? That's where, again, we have got to understand the foundation that we're building on so that we make investments in those things every day. So the question is why? Why did a man have to die for other men and women to be forgiven? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, which means when we sin, When we have thoughts, words, actions, or attitudes that disobey God, each and every one of those sins has got to be punished because God is perfect. He's a perfect judge. The wages, what we earn for our sin is the punishment of death. And without Jesus Christ, you and I would face a death for a just and right punishment for our sins. But Jesus died according to the Scriptures. And what Jesus did on that Good Friday, He was hanging on that cross, 
And hour after hour, the Father was pouring out wrath on the Son, pouring it out in buckets. And Jesus, in a way that we cannot understand, was taking the spiritual punishment, the separation from the Father, the wrath for our sins, until he had drank the last drop of the cup of God's wrath, and he said, it is finished. The wages of sin is death. Now, we experience physical death because of sin, but Jesus experienced the spiritual death of separation from the Father that we would have experienced without our faith in Him. We cannot miss this. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man. Jesus lived perfectly the way that we should have lived, and He died a death on the cross that was meant for us. And I love what Paul says. He says, in accordance with the Scriptures. In other words, in accordance with the most trustworthy thing that you could ever hold in your hand or see with your eyes. And as someone who did not come to saving faith until age 27, I will tell you, I did not accept this book as the Word of God until God showed it to me. It was, a, it was an intellectual journey for me. It took many, many years. But I will tell you this, if you're in this room and you're skeptical, you're in good company. But I can tell you where God led me. He led me to understand that this book is written over the course of 1,500 years by more than 40 different authors on three different continents in three different original languages. It was written in such a way it cannot be manipulated by human hands. It was inspired by the living God. And according to that, the most trustworthy source in human history, we have the truth that Jesus died for sinners like me and you. That's important. That is of first importance, and that's number one, Jesus, Christ's death. Number two, what is always of first importance is Christ's burial. Again, Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is fully man. And sometimes skeptics will say, well, either A, he was God, but he wasn't really a man. He didn't really experience death like we would, and that's false. Or they would say, no, he really was fully man, but he did not really fully die. He passed out. And when they took him off the cross, he resuscitated. And when, on Sunday morning, he was fully alive because he never died. No, Jesus died. Jesus was buried. He was buried in a historical tomb by historical figures. He was in a tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He was a Pharisee of the Sanhedrin and a very wealthy man and had a uh, the Lord had really done a work on his heart and he set aside a tomb for him to be buried in and he was buried there. And just to make sure, the Roman soldiers were posted outside the tomb to make sure nobody would get in or get out. His bones were laid in a tomb. He died and he was buried. That's number two. Number three, what is always the first importance is not just that he died, not just that he was buried, but what do we celebrate here today? He was raised on the third day accordance and according to the Scriptures. It's one thing to say that he died for our sins. It's another thing to say he was buried to prove that he in fact fully died. But on the third day he rose again, and let me tell you for two reasons why that is so crucial and it should be of first importance for all of us in this room. He died and rose again, and in him rising from the dead, number one, he made a way from death to life. He blazed a trail that without that trail, we would never be reunited with the Father again. And the second is this, when he came out of the tomb, it was a symbol that the Father had approved 
for the sacrifice. The Father said He is the worthy sacrificial Lamb who takes away the sins of the world and I receive and I approve of this sacrifice which means the blood of Jesus is rich enough for the worst sin that you have ever committed. He rose. We have a Savior who lives. That's what we listen to in song here this, this, this morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I want to tell you that's what makes the difference between Him in every other religion on planet earth. You see, before I became a Christian, I knew of Jesus, but I also believed that Jesus was one of many religious figures and Christianity was one of many religions and I grew up with many friends of other faiths and I used to think it was small-minded or even prejudiced for me to say, how can I believe that I've cornered the market on truth? Certainly, there's many ways to God. Oh, but God opened my eyes to the truth. God opened my eyes to when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man gets to the Father but by me. There was a day I did not believe that, and then there was a day that I do. And I praise God that His Spirit opened me up, my eyes to see that. But we need to understand the difference between Christ and every other religion on planet Earth is the leaders of those religions are dead and their bones are still in the tomb. There are no bones in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea unless Joseph himself was buried there because he is risen. Our Savior lives. Our Savior lives. And he now has ascended to the Father. He's interceding on our behalf. He sent down his Holy Spirit to be with us and live inside of us so that we can have a living, breathing, intimate relationship with him. And oh yes, he's coming back to make all things new. And that is of first importance in our life. But that leads me to our final point. What is always of first importance? Christ's burial, Christ's resurrection, or Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and then fourth, his appearance. His appearance. All right, we are not just believing a story that was made up by, by people who did not see with their eyes, but oh no, it says in verses five through eight, he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Why is that important? I'll tell you why it's important. It's easy to say whatever you want to say, but actions speak louder than words, and we need witnesses for our actions. Jesus rose from the dead, and we believe that in faith, but there were people that saw with their very own eyes, and the disciples that saw with their eyes that their Savior was risen, guess what? They were willing to lay their life down to preach that truth. Paul, who was almost beaten and shipwrecked and, and left for dead, and God continued to sustain him to fulfill that ministry. Why did he do it? Because he saw the risen Jesus. Why was the apostle John cast on the island of Patmos and, and inspired to write the book of Revelation and in complete desolation? Because he saw the risen Jesus. Why did Peter, why did he live and, and preach the gospel and see many Jews and Gentiles come to faith and then one day get martyred and told that he wanted to be, be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified right side up like his savior? It's because he saw the risen Jesus. They didn't lay their life on the line for some wishful thinking. No, they saw him with his eyes, with their eyes. But blessed are we who believe and did not see what they saw. John chapter 20, verse 29 says, 
Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So now we have not seen the risen Jesus with our eyes. Oh, but we will. And if we make this a faith of first importance, if we remember the very foundation of what we believe, we will see him with our eyes. I can't believe that we will, but we will. And I don't know what I'm going to do when I see him. Well, I know the first thing that I will do. It's the first thing that everybody in this room will do. You'll drop to your knees and you will kiss his nail-pierced feet. So the question is, what's the second thing I'm going to do? I'm looking forward to finding out. But as we draw to a close, we just talked about the gospel, the good news, the foundation. We, we don't move on from the foundation. We build on top of the foundation. The foundation is his death. It's his burial. It's his resurrection. It's his appearance. It is the most historically factual faith you could ever have based in accordance with the scriptures. But as you leave here today, how does it affect you? How does it affect you? I want to make a summary statement and I want to talk about how it affects you. In one sentence, if our faith in Christ is of first importance on Easter, it must be of first importance all year long. If our faith in Christ is of first importance on Easter, it must be of first importance all year long. Here's how it affects you as we draw to a close. Again, I've not been in ministry a very long time. Little, well, if you consider youth ministry a little bit over a decade. And there's many times I'm in the hospital room and I'm holding somebody's hand and I'm looking in their eyes. And I can tell right away the type of person who has made investments on that principal deposit who have continued to seek after the Lord day after day. There's two things that they have that people that don't invest in their faith don't have. Number one, they cannot see pain. They see pain and suffering in light of eternity the way that others can't. It's not that they're not in physical pain. It's not that they're not in emotional pain. But I'm just telling you, they just see life different. And the second thing is they talk about God like they know him. They talk about Jesus as if Jesus is their Lord, their Savior, their brother, and their friend. And that's what I want for my life. And that's what I want for your life. I, I don't enjoy being in hospital rooms or in hospice rooms, but I tell you what I do love is to see somebody who's walked with Jesus and it's just obvious. What I would love is for, for those of you leaving today and going about the rest of your day and the rest of your week going through serious issues right now. I just want to say, it doesn't take the pain away, but it puts the pain in perspective and it enables you to walk through the pain with Jesus when you make investments in your faith. We have a faith of first importance. And as we draw to a close, I just encourage you, number one, if you are a Christian, Make those daily deposits. Make those daily deposits. You really think right now, most of us think right now, my life would be better if I could just get this issue resolved. You don't know, Bo, this issue that I'm dealing with, it's night and day, it's all-encompassing. If I could just get this issue resolved and move on, I'll be fine. And God says, no, 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 I want this issue to bring you to me. And through this issue, I want you to see it in light of eternity and what I'm doing in your life right now. And number two, I want you to draw to me so that we have communion together. So if you're a Christian, 
Seek him every day. Seek him in a way that's unique to you. Pray to him as if you are talking to him sitting right next to you. Seek him in his word. Seek to be around other Christians who've made those daily deposits. And the second thing I want to say is this. For anybody in this room who does not know Jesus or you believe that you know Jesus because you were raised in a church, but with what you're going through right now, Jesus is the last person that you have sought. Today's the day to turn to first importance and give your life to him. Give your life to Jesus Christ. He is a Savior who is risen. He is a God who lives. He's a God who cares. He's the undefeated one. And everything He has done for us, in living for us, dying for us, rising from the dead for us, ascending to the Father for us, and coming back to make all things new, it is of first importance, and may it be of first importance in your life, not just Easter Sunday, but for the rest of this year and the rest of your life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are so distracted, myself included, myself included, Lord, minds and hearts that are so busy, so overwhelmed with all the things of life. We just want to get out of this room right now. We just want to go on with our life and we think things are going to be fine if we could just get over the issue we're dealing with. And the whole time you're calling us to quiet ourselves before you. You're calling us to go back to what's most important. You're calling us to go back to Jesus on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning when life is just overwhelming. You're calling us go back to the Savior who lived for us and the Savior who died for us and the Savior who rose for us, the Savior that hundreds of people saw with their eyes and the Savior that we'll see with our eyes when he comes back to make all things new. Father, I pray on this Easter Sunday that you would help us to go back to the faith of first importance and cling to Jesus with everything we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen.